0: so robin how's the book going
1: (laughs) how's your book going lucy it's
0: a concept
1: (laughs) well (laughs) this is right for me right for you and we are both definitely gonna write a book this year
0: yeah yeah it's gonna happen
1: Um, haven't had time to write this week I will be really honest and upfront I think that last week which is our first ever episode I was really excited because I am so close to finishing the scene that will actually get me like a quarter of the way through the book and I will feel comfortable showing it to Lucy <laughs> at that point because it will <laughs> be like completely it'll be very new like that'll be a good chunk that like really gets us started on the path that the rest of the plot's going to take instead of just mm-hmm. an opening that I've rewritten a bunch of times but I just have not had time because I am in super deadline crunch with my graphic novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and, and my editors are great like if if I physically collapse I I can take time, but I don't want to. I really want to get it done and I'm really excited mm-hmm. about the editing process on that, so it's a little hard for me to think about my novel when I'm thinking about the writing of this other book <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's hard to switch focus
0: like that kind of mid project it really is especially when you're like so close <laughs> yes
1: tell me about your excuses for why you haven't written anything this week
0: <laughs> <laughs> um school is my main excuse uh i have been basically just kind of trying to think about what i want to write i wanted to have like maybe full outlines by now but i'm not quite there yet but um i, I have hope decided you get time to-,
1: to do that
0: yeah We'll see. I, I want to do it, but um, uh, so I have decided to go with like the um, kind of like D and D club story. Um, I think it's gonna be like it's going to be fun. It just needs plot, really. Yeah. <laughs> like I tend to write characters, or I ca- kind of tend to conceive characters first and kind of feel out them. And sometimes I'll have like the emotional beats of their story, but not the actual like
1: greater plot. Yeah, like the the events that are going to happen to cause those emotional beats. Yeah. I, this is the one that is based on the short story that you presented to your class that yeah. I really liked. I really, really <laughs> like the short story. I'm really excited for everybody to eventually get to read this book because it's really delightful. So, like, everyone get hyped because I'm really glad <laughs> Lucy picked this project. And, I mean, picking a project is a big step. It's just <laughs> – I hope you get time to do an outline. Like, I know you're back in class and stuff, but
0: yeah, like,
1: we're going to write a damn book. You're going to write this book. You can do it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I had a writing teacher back in uh, original college that said that like a lot of writing is not actually writing. Like, there's a lot that counts where you're just kind of formulating what the story is going to be. Oh, yeah. So like that, you know, you don't need to beat yourself up if you don't write every day. If you're Especially if you're still thinking about your story. Um, so I've kind of just been trying to, like, get into the moods of my characters, I guess. And, because I'm not sure... Well, one of the problems I'm having is I'm not sure if I'm going to write it from one perspective or two perspectives, and if if it's one, which one? (laughs) Because I kind of have two kind of main characters. Um, I kind of... I'm okay with it maybe being a bit of an ensemble piece where there are, like, many lovable characters around them that kind of comprise this little gaming club in, like, a high school. Um, but I haven't quite figured out who I'm going to focus on exactly between between two people.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested in that, that idea that you just had of, like, yeah, a lot of writing is not writing. Mm. Back when I was in college, I had a class called Psychology of Creativity with a really oh. wonderful professor. And um, we referred to this as composting. Mm. The idea that it is just an inherent part of the creative process. It's where things are sometimes even subconsciously just kind of being worked over in your mind and that Mm. like if that's not happening which of course when you're in super crisis mode such as (laughs) dealing with a global pandemic it can be really (laughs) hard for that like there's just no processing power in your brain not that we're a computer but we're not entirely not like a computer we've made computers (laughs) in our image i guess anyway Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but like that is a thing like you have to have some kind of brain space even if it's not super conscious there has to be space for creative things to be happening. But sometimes the most important stuff, it seems like inspiration hit you. It didn't hit you. It's that something that was kind of in the back of your mind and something at the forefront of your mind finally collided. And that mm-hmm. was the impact. It wasn't that something completely new just came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, because there's really nothing new, you know. I there's mean, nothing it, new. Yeah, you have there's your own your interpretation. Yeah, but you know, as far as big sweeping concepts like... You're not going to do anything that's not been done in some way before. It's kind of just figuring out how to do it in your way.
1: Yeah, even for really underserved things, there's probably somebody who's, like, conceptualized something like that before. And Mm -hmm. and there's just no reason to worry about novelty as being the most important part of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's fine if that's, like, just the way you see the world. Like, that's just how you stay interested in a project is, like, trying to be novel. But it's definitely not a necessity. It's not really how the stuff works. Like, it's all about your execution and your interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so speaking of execution um, and interpretation, well, wow, that sounded like it was going to be really dark, but I'm really just talking <laughs> about the problem that you're mulling over, right? Is like, should you have multiple perspective characters? Is it an ensemble cast? Does it have one main character? Does it have two with both of their perspectives being... The lens through which you see the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you were in school, did you ever get any like prohibitions against having multiple perspective characters? Because I remember getting a lot of feedback about, oh my goodness, try to not overdo multiple perspective characters. Mm-hmm. But I think they gender they generally meant more than two. I think two is supposed to be okay, right? Or is this something yeah. that they were never prescriptive about for you?
0: Um- Two is I never got anything against doing two. Um, since my more recent writing schooling was book publishing, and I focused a lot on young adult, you usually try and keep it to two. there, are, and it's it's more likely to also to have like first person, even alternating first person sometimes, mm. just because that's a, like a convention of the genre. Well, genre is not quite the term for it, but you know that that market. Yes, but there are some that do alternating third person from multiple characters like really well. Like I I really like some of the Cassandra Clare books and she does that. There are, there are a bunch of others. It it happens more in genre, like actual genre, like, you know, um, sci-fi fantasy, you see more alternating and multiple perspective characters, but I never really had, I don't remember anyone ever being like, never do this. We did talk about not doing it. Like you don't want to switch perspectives within a scene unless you're writing romance where that's more of a, a writing staple or a writing convention. Interesting. Is switching. I, I haven't read much romance, so I'm Neither not speaking to.
1: Uh- <laughs> but it's interesting to know. I can, I can totally imagine why that would work though. Where are like, in the one scene, do you want to see it built up for one character and then knocked down for the other character? It's, it's funny because in the, the project that I'm working mm-hmm. on, which definitely has alternating perspectives between two point of view characters and is okay. not in first person. It's, um, It's not omniscient third person, but it's very close in, actually, third person. Mm, mm -hmm. But, like, I I don't think I ever switch off in the same scene, but that is partially because there are some conventions of, like, what happens in the story that allows me to switch off in a scene in a way that makes sense, right? Where, like, one character will be unconscious and the other character can take over
2: Mm, and their
1: perspective comes up. Which is sort of like a cheaty way to get around that, I think, because I can see it'd be really disorienting if you're like, here's the scene I'm setting up. Oh, all of a sudden we're with somebody else. Whereas it's yeah. very, it's much more natural as a reader to like when th- when there's some sort of transition, right? When there's either a chapter break or a really obvious scene change to change to somebody else's perspective, you're like, okay, I got it. We've we've already we're already changing a bunch of things. We might as well also change the lens through which we're seeing it, like the <laughs> point of view, and not just the like camera lens through which we're seeing it, like which camera is on, basically. Yeah, I can totally understand how that might be, how that works, because it would be very disorienting to think you are reading about one thing and they get something else. And an- and like of course, sometimes disorienting is exactly what you're going for, but that has <laughs> to be wielded very carefully or else it's just too confusing to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, it's also when you're doing alternating perspectives, especially if you're doing like first person, you have to be sure that your that the voices are very distinct. Cuz I've read a few books where especially books that were like a series and the and didn't initially have the alternating perspective and then later books did, where I will like they'll switch character and I will not realize it for like pages or you know, at well pages at the worst, usually a few paragraphs, but I won't realize it until they either describe something that the other character wouldn't normally do or they describe the other character. <laughs> I'm like, oh <laughs> we're not actually her anymore. We're someone else. I see. <laughs> um so it's one of those things where you kinda have to you have to do do it carefully. Yeah. And make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. There there's this I'm not gonna throw shade on any specific book, but I do have a specific book in mind where we get Uh-oh. in the third book, we get a new perspective character. And it's entirely so that they can kill off the main character at the end of the book, oh, that and, feels a
1: little on the nose,
0: yeah, and like it's it felt jarring and weird the entire book. his voice never resonated um i I always thought I was still her voice, and so I was like, "Why did they do this? It's so annoying, and then when they killed her off, I was like, "Oh, well, that would be why, and I think it would have been better if they'd not changed to him until she died, like I think it might have been more impactful if you were suddenly him for the first time like it might yeah, have been home something it certainly
1: would have yeah it certainly would have been like a change that felt like it meant something instead of a change that was giving you premonitions that things are just already wrong because you weren't yeah. necessarily supposed to know someone was going to die at the end or that we were passing the torch and it yeah. maybe feels like if you're i don't know if you're Showing your hand early—that may be kind of like ruining the impact of something you've been probably setting up pretty carefully.
0: Yeah, it felt just kind of sloppy to me, and it's actually one of the reasons like I really liked that series until the the third book, and then I didn't. I've not gone back to it ever since then because it just didn't. It just let me down a lot. It was one of those
1: trilogies that I felt did not live up to things. Yeah, that's that's so hard as any writer though. I, I know that you have years of coming up with the first book. And then if it (laughs) sells, you have so little time to get the others out on a schedule while there's still interest. And that means that all that time and development that went into that first one, there's almost no way to hit the other ones in the same way unless you've been kind of working on all of them the whole time. And like meticulous planning is hard to do when you're going to eventually have an editorial consultation (laughs) that might change the entire direction of your story.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also like, it's much easier to set up something that is to to have a sad like a payoff that's gonna be satisfying for everyone sure is it's kind of like in a horror movie where i like the monster much much better if we don't see it yeah so like older horror i like a little bit better because you they didn't have they didn't feel like they had the technology to show you the monsters all the time so and that allows you to imagine in your mind how you know grotesque it is and kind of with your own like sensibilities yeah. Whereas, I mean, you don't, you can't not tell someone how a book concludes. I mean, I guess you could in some
1: things. But, oh, there's lots of ambiguous yeah. endings, some of which but an ambiguous ending isn't necessarily more satisfying either. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. Like, you can't I whatever, mean, I guess it's a harder <laughs> line to walk.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that whatever ending you have, that's the ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so whether it's ambiguous or obvious, it's possible for somebody to like or dislike it. It's possible for it to have Knock down what you set up or not, knock down what you set up. And mm-hmm. it all depends on like whether the tension you created for the reader worked for them or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's it's a funny thing to say about how like not knowing how it's going to end is such an important part of reading.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so on a reread, you get really different things from a book than the first time that you read it simply because you're reading it, knowing what's going to happen. so potentially you're able to like enjoy the craft of it more. Mm -hmm. or look for the symbolism, or like see it on different levels, you know, things like that. Whereas when you're reading for the first time, you're just like voraciously trying to get to the next thing that happens.
2: Mm, It's interesting
1: to me to think about how fandom is like this too. When a TV series is coming out, you don't know how it's going to end. So much of the series is in your own head. It's Mm -hmm. your idea of what could happen. This relationship could happen. This crazy plot element might be where it's going. And then when it finishes, it's almost impossible for it to live up to every expectation because yeah. you've written an entire thing in your head. I-, I think that that is part of why endings are so incredibly difficult and part mm-hmm. of why so many endings let fans down. That if you have hundreds of thousands of people being really excited about a story <laughs> and talking about it constantly, they're going to come up with so many more things than the very small staff who's producing the actual like property is able to ever <laughs> yeah. encompass, right? So by the end of the day, like fandom just creates so much more content than the original thing ever had. That there's mm-hmm. just this like it overtakes it in a way. And it's very hard for it to deliver an ending that works for everybody. Unless it had an ending that they that feels really natural because everybody who was working on it was allowed to get to a natural place with it and had big ideas. And it's hard to not show your hand.
0: <laughs> yeah, it also kinda depends on um guess kind of how clear you're you are in the, the direction you're going with it because there there have been some things that like you can kind of tell with TV series which ones had like a beginning and end in mind. Yes. And so it all made logical sense and some things you know people might not agree with but it felt like like it had a clear story arc and then you yeah. have the ones that like maybe had that for the first season but then you can tell that they didn't plan what to do after that beyond like hand wave
1: more adventures or whatever (laughs) keep the money flowing keep people employed which is you know (laughs) which is good i suppose yeah
0: yeah but but you can kind of tell that they just kind of slump after that because they just didn't really have the next step or they concluded everything they needed to conclude and like now you have to come up you have to convince the audience that there is a new you know whatever conflict goal problem whatever it is and it's escalation. harder to get that to work for everybody who's watching because maybe people got different things out of the original and it worked yeah. in that context, but they don't all, you know, they can't be exactly the same. So
1: Yeah, we all had a different destination in mind and yeah. nothing can actually be everything for everyone because it can't see into our heads and ha- and reach every destination for yeah. a story that everybody had come up with. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, there's just like the tragedy of ending anything. Not only is it gone, but it also can never be everything that it could be yeah i'm not so worried like luckily i'm not that worried about the ending of my book i'm really comfortable like i Mm. know where i'm going like i know (laughs) how my story ends which is good my problem is setting up so much stuff in the beginning without Mm. being really expositiony and boring so once you've read my first chunk of story You can tell me if I have achieved not being too exposition-y, but it is definitely a story that sets up a world where things need to be explained, and there's a really good mechanism for things to be explained. I just have to make sure that information is delivered in a fun and exciting way.
2: Hmm.
1: The biggest problem I'm actually having is that I need to switch perspectives before I'm 20,000 words into my story. And I haven't yet. (laughs) And there's a really good chunk for me to go back and add a perspective switch. Like There's a really good moment to do it, so I'm going to be fine. But I just had that moment as I was writing this and like really into it, and then I was like, huh, this is nearly a quarter of the way through and you haven't switched perspectives yet, and that is not going to fly. If you <laughs> can go that long through your story without switching perspectives, you are never going to switch perspectives and your agent and your editors will yell at you because there's just it's just not readable. Like, that would be so jarring to be so far through a book and then suddenly you're someone else. Like, I I don't want to do that to a reader.
0: You kind of have to build it in.
1: Yeah, so I have a really good chance to go back and fix it. And, like, that's the nice thing about getting to talk about writing process is, like, hopefully when people read the final product, they'll never know that I had not (laughs) originally gotten that perspective in early. But I can admit that, oh, no, I really did just keep going without hitting that perspective. It's also that I did switch perspectives in this version, but the scene I switched was wrong and mm. nothing important happened there and I need to delete it. So it's mm. really just that I'm trying I'm going to get a new perspective switch in earlier so I can remove this totally unnecessary scene.
0: Yeah, that is I mean, it's interesting kind of trying to think big picture about like when you do it. Like I typically and I've written things that are I don't think I've ever written things that have more than two perspectives come to think of it, but Um, I, I frequently write like two alternating perspectives and I usually do it per chapter. So just new chapter, new person or new, new perspective. um, Oh yeah. Just kind of switch back and forth. But there's, there are some stories I have where I don't do that and I switch. Oh, I I take it back. I have written from many perspectives in one thing where, and in that one, I was just sort of switching between scenes and it was, it's really more of a, like, get to a kind of dramatic point in one, and then jump to another so that you're building up the tension. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's kind of fun to think about um, the more, like, intentionality of that. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess what I'm really kind of doing at the moment is just... I, I really just don't know what I want my conflict to be. Like, I, I'm a little worried that the... Because I have one character. There's, there's two characters. Their names are Jamie and um, Dylan, and that will just make this much easier. <laughs> and... Jamie runs um she runs like the the D&D part of a gaming club and Dylan joins the club and it, and it's like a general gaming club but you know her portion she she likes D&D and other role playing games and stuff but i'm a little worried that by the time at least in the in the short story i did by the time we get to Dylan i feel like Jamie's main story is kind of over like she's already had probably what her like you know, main conflict would have been, which I think is, like, establishing her part of the club and, like, dealing with, like, douchey, sexist assholes who don't think girls play D&D and, like, you know, kind of fighting for either her role in the club or the club's, like, validity itself. So I don't know if I'm going to, like, change when Dylan enters the story or if, like, he just doesn't, like, we just have a a, a book without him or, like, a span of book without him or, or something.
1: Or maybe it's that that's not the conflict of hers that you're going to focus on. Yeah, it's I like true. the idea that that has already been resolved. And yeah. maybe not even resolved utterly, but she hasn't actually encountered the end of mm. that conflict. That she is yeah. doing these things despite there still being adversity, and Dylan is able to help be supportive of her efforts. Like, that mm. would be a thing that you could do, too. I, yeah. I kind of – I would really – recommend that that decide that her story isn't over it is yeah. still happening she acts like it is like there's no problem <laughs> but there still yeah. is a problem because I think that that would be a really refreshing way to see that issue right that like she's not bringing it up that much she's sort of trying to pretend like it's not there and she's and to just move on and live her life as though she isn't kind of mm-hmm. still having conflicts with people but you can also downplay those conflicts a little bit too where maybe like, this is 2020, and maybe the kids aren't as full of those, like, very regressive ideas about who does and doesn't play games. Like, everybody plays these games now. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's not the conflict. Maybe the conflict is about, like, the allocation of funds for the club for the different kinds of gamers. Or mm. maybe the conflict is just that she and a particular other kid who also wants to do DMing mm. um, don't get along. And she is actually, like, not always completely in the right, you know? Mm, like, she's yeah. an amazing DM and she really loves this, but she's not giving somebody else a shot. And she has to learn how to give somebody else a chance to do this without losing everything she's fought for, right? Like, I would definitely say that if you feel like she's already resolved that one conflict, just give her a new conflict. Mm, yeah. And, and maybe her connection to Dylan is a conflict, too. Like, mm. what if uh, people treat her differently?
0: Oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. There's definitely, like, a... Because um, I, I really don't want it to be too... Yeah, like you said, kind of regressive. Like, I don't want it to focus too much on... This is just a story about how girls can also play D and
1: D. Yeah, that should just be built in as she is the DM. Like you're already yeah. doing something amazing by just making it clear that that is what she's doing. You don't necessarily have to show her having overcome something that she may or may not have had to face. Mm-hmm. Like that might not yeah. even be in her life. It may just be that like dealing with the general attitudes of the other gamers who don't understand what she's doing or don't want to play the way she wants to play because there's a lot of conflicts between different kinds of dms and the way that they like to run games Mm -hmm. there's also an entire set of conflicts that come up when people think a dm is favoring a certain player Mm -hmm. that is like a whole conflict especially when it's a romantic thing but even when it's not like Mm -hmm. I would definitely say that that is like another kind of conflict that you can play with because people get really emotional about their characters. It's a huge time investment for people to play role playing games, and especially for kids who aren't all that great at interpersonal relationships yet and don't have a lot of experience, it can feel incredibly real and incredibly like a place for all your fantasies to play out. And so when you feel like there's injustice, even when it's something that is, you know, to an adult, pretty obviously, no one's business or something. They could just be talked out. Like, mm-hmm. especially for kids, it's really hard to know that you're allowed to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and I do like the idea of dealing with maybe like the sexism issue, not so overtly, but more like it's an aspect of why she's having trouble with like a certain player, or yes, it's annoying that once she has a boyfriend, people assume he got her into D and D or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I like not that even a lot. like that. She wouldn't like it, but just that. You know, there are these yeah, it has to be microaggressions, about him. right? Like, Yeah,
1: yeah. I-, I think that's a way more like contemporary yeah. way to tell that story.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, I feel better. Yay! <laughs> Thank I'm you for it this free help. creative counseling <laughs> session.
1: <laughs> Isn't that what this is for? <laughs> Basically, yes. <yeah. laughs> We're just sharing it with everybody so that they can all know every embarrassing uh, misstep that we take. And every time we make excuses, and every time we realize that we should have had a a perspective switch before 20,000 words of your story went Mm. by. I've told (laughs) myself I'm allowed to make this draft too long, Mm. because I can go back and edit it.
0: Yeah, well, I just had, like, uh, sorry, the noise I made with (laughs) traumatic flashbacks. Do you remember when I, um... Decided to cut a character from a, story, or a character's perspective from a story and had to delete like forty thousand words. I <laughs> do. Yeah. I do
1: remember that.
0: That was a, a thing that happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's like you had like flashbacks, like war flashbacks to that.
0: Yeah, I did. I'm I'm
1: fine. That's <laughs> true though. Yeah. You
0: do need to insert your second
1: character soon. So it sounds like you I have really a plan do. though. I do. It'll, it's gonna be okay. It's interesting because I think about that like perspective issue in the the graphic novel I'm currently wrapping up. The whole story is narrated by mm-hmm. one character, but it actually does switch like perspective mm. to which character you're following. But it's always narrated by the one sister, even when it follows the other sister. Yeah. And I'm really proud of it. I think I pulled it off. But it occurs to me, I really do like to play with perspectives the novel that I'm working on plays with perspectives because one of the characters is incredibly, like, very open and honest with the reader, and the other character isn't. Mm. And even when you're in his perspective, he has secrets he's keeping. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm going for is for the reader to understand that that he is lying to himself. That mm-hmm. he's not just lying to anybody else. Like, he can't quite deal with some of the – truths that he has in his soul mm. so it's not just that he's like lying and leaving things out and dissembling it's that he hasn't come to terms with some things mm-hmm. some ways he felt about people and how he's handling loss and stuff like that he just hasn't actually like admitted this stuff to himself so that's one thing I'm trying to do with that perspective is that like it's fun to kind of see the really open character and the really closed off character. But then also, like, it's a love story, and I really want to show these characters through each other's eyes because mm. neither of them have incredibly robust self-esteem, and they don't see themselves the way the other person sees them. And they're also not very typical romantic leads, and I really want to write about people like them as romantic leads and Mm -hmm. seeing them as a romantic figure. Like, that's really important to me. So that's like why I want it to be in multiple perspectives. I I think that that's always the question, right? Is if you're going to do something with multiple multiple perspectives, (laughs) (laughs) make sure you can say it. Actually, it doesn't matter if you can say it, who cares? (laughs) But make sure you know why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the point of seeing the story from people's points of view other than just one? Like, what are you getting from this? And I think, like, to me, that always feels inherently interesting. That's why I read books is to get a different perspective, right? I want to get the writer's perspective and I want to live in these characters. But when you're writing, (laughs) you have to know what you're trying to get across.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that really is kind of the strength of multiple perspectives. Is like, it lets you show not necessarily unreliable narrators, but You know, you're able to see things that that you can't from just one person. And if your multiple perspectives aren't doing that, then yeah, I agree. You kind of need to decide why you're even doing it then.
1: All right. You know, I'm actually really excited to get back to writing now. How about you, Lucy? Yeah, I'm feeling good. You're feeling good? That's good. So you gotta promise me, you write for me, I'll write for you. You got it.